0: I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theatre September 30th.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 91 of... In this episode, as you probably know already, I'll be talking to John Lynn. I hooked up with him at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. He was doing a show there, uh, called Addiction Diction, which I went to see and loved it. Loved it. Um, uh, as I say to him, uh, the charisma, he, he exudes charisma from the stage. Um, so we had a chat about it and know uh, we we we'll kind of touch on the subject later on that we had to give up uh comedy for a while and uh, that's something i guess that um, um well it's very difficult i can't imagine what it's like to take a break because i've i've uh, given not given up but kind of stopped for like weeks so maybe 3 weeks or a month at a time if i was shooting a Something on TV or a film or whatever, and coming back is you, you just get you're a bit rusty. It doesn't take long for the uh, rust to set in. So uh, that'll be talking about that and and whatnot. Well, you joined me uh, here in sitting in my car in Donegal, and uh, I was looking at a donkey there, and the sea is behind the donkey. Looking for the donkey, what uh, I've been all over the country this week. Done a gig on Friday night in Castletown Bear which is as flipping south as you can go and uh, stayed with a lovely couple Georgina and Tim and when we went out and we um, visited a guy called Alex who has an animal sanctuary uh, he takes in stray or injured uh, animals so he had we called up we were greeted by a goat before we even got into the house, little Billy, a oh, very obvious name for a goat. Uh, Alex came out and then as we walked around his er, his house, garden, uh, two emus followed us. One led us and one walked behind us. Then a turkey joined the gang. There were three Jack Russells, the goat I'd mentioned earlier, then a couple of geese Angry, one hissing goose, which is probably the most frightening thing for me. Uh, a hissing goose, because I've a feeling a goose could be very strong. I, I've heard uh, a goose could break your arm with his beak. Uh, I heard that off a Dublin chap who said it exactly like that. So uh, the geese uh, wasn't happy. Uh, an emu is quite is quite. Uh, Oh, you know, you're not going to get too close to an emu either. And then a couple of swans. Um, and and then he brought us back around to his bird cave uh, enclosure. Let's call it an enclosure. And, and brought out a little barn owl, which I'd never been cl- that close to a barn owl, to any owl, in fact. And I could, uh, you know, just rub its little barny neck, owly neck, really. Uh, that was interesting we went right by the Buddhist the Buddhist uh, retreat uh, centre uh, there in Castletown Bear and in general what a beautiful place did a gig then the next night in, tr- in Ballancolic in Cork and that night I drove up to Dublin had a kip and then drove up to Donegal so in one day I went from the tip the southern tip of Ireland Right up to nearly the northern tip I'm not quite up there But I'm up here now And it's been a lovely few days uh, In beautiful Danny But that's all That's all I've got to tell you About my um, Incredible Life And it Let's face it It is incredible Now I'll hand you over to My chat With John Lynn John, I went to see your show and I loved it. Absolutely, I'm not just saying this now because I would probably say it even if I didn't. But I did really. <laughs> but I, I loved it, and um, the charisma from you on stage is just unbelievable. It's amazing. I mean, I was looking at the, I was looking at the audience, and they were just entranced. Like it, it, it is amazing. My my daughter was there; she loved it as well. She so. Jesus, John
0: teary-eyed now oh my God. no no it's <laughs> I, it's, it's one, really of my, one of my that, favorites serious, the serious. fringe so it's going well for you mm. it's going great yeah yeah i'm i'm loving it it's funny nearly every other fringe i've done the last weekend i've just been so relieved it's nearly over but this one i'm kind of like ah, oh, four days to go <laughs> yeah yeah i could do it another week i'm enjoying that I, I think it's i like the show it's not as last year my show was about mental health and all that and like man doing it every day was you know you were talking more about stuff that was deeply personal in a way that was wounding to you whereas this year is just stand-up and it's goofy Hmm. so i'm enjoying it like it, it makes me giggle the stories make me giggle Whereas last year was a bit Earnest, you know. Yeah, we've all got to mind our mental health, people. <laughs> Be careful out there, <laughs> right? Yeah. I,
1: I, I, how do you stand on that? Because this is a a lot of the shows this year are concerned mental health, or uh, is Edinburgh a, uh, an arena where you have to have some? I mean, I'm not saying people are using the mental health as an angle, but it's almost feels like that sometimes.
0: Are they not, Joe? Are they not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think, I don't know, man. I, I, I would get a little bit cynical with some of the shows I've seen, but I get it. I understand why people are presenting stuff in that way, because as we've been talking about before, like some of the reviews out there are... Uh, how do we say this unless you have something in your show about you know a dead relative or something like somebody speaking to you from beyond the grave with a life lesson which they wish to impart on the art scene in edinburgh Mm. you don't get the stars and i've seen guys doing half shows that are stand-up and then half show that's a ted talk Mm. And reviewers and critics respond well to that. And I'm not knocking that as per se, you know, Mm. I suppose. And even that's what I did last year. So I can't be, Mm. but it was like something that happened to me. But it uh, does strike me now that even if you're just getting up and doing stand up in the sense that we know it from working on the, the circuit and the scene, you're deemed to be simply a club comedian. But mm. now you have to have something relevatory and I, I think there seems to be a real trend for comics to show this vulnerability now. Mm. If they don't, they're considered oh, he's not really getting into his feelings. <laughs> you know, like but you we've all seen it like mm. class stand-ups destroying like I remember going to see Sean Walsh. Mm. And Sean would be a good pal whatever. But he emerged... He, he like, the people were in tears when he just first came on this... And he was destroying it. But it was just... He got up and made a series of observations. Stand-up in the purest sense of it. There was no real beginning, middle, and an end. It was just hilarious. And I've never seen a comic rip it in that way in Edinburgh. Just doing pure stand-up. And at the same gig... One reviewer gave him two stars because they said, ah, it's not a stand-up show. And the other one went the other way and mm. said it's amazing to see just pure stand-up on an arts festival and gave him five stars. Mm. So you're just... It's uh, its hard to know what way to uh, to go for it. But I do think people are right. Now, maybe I did it last year if I'm really honest with myself. Like, I was talking about uh, bad health and all that, but... Mm. Maybe I was talking about it because I went, oh, this will do me a lot of good in Edinburgh because reviewers lap this shit up. But then no reviewers came to see me last year because I had no PR budget. Right. So I did that funny TED talk for a whole goddamn month. And then I went, fuck this next year. I'm going back to Laughs big laughs
1: yeah i would like the year show isn't isn't it got some brilliant long stories they're lot you know they're it's not it's not just gags 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 you know but, oh uh, yeah uh, yeah it's, like well it, it's, yeah. It's,
0: it's it's more so like i could have made those routines like i'm talking about my my kid cousins and having kids and all that and i'm earnest about that like uh, you know Mm. when i in that bit i really did want to explore whether that was something i want like even friends of mine having nippers and what have you my old Mm. buddy from draw to tommy james banging out a kid there recently you're kind of looking at it going, maybe i do want kids and you know in that routine i am talking about that but i didn't want to make it preachy at the end of it, Mm. it seems to be the trend now that People will do a funny stand-up bit, which I think, unless you're an idiot, says it all. You've, you've said everything you want to say about the subject, but then they'll tag on a bit of it at the end, like as if they're nearly breaking the fourth wall. And what I really learned from this experience was that I could be a better person, and from yeah. being a better person, I could make other people better people. Around. Yeah. I just don't want that. I mean,
1: I've put in it, I would say, a tiny little preachy bit. in my <laughs> I know but
0: I mean they're making us do they've <laughs> they made us like this it's not our fault
1: <laughs> and as the uh, festival goes on I feel more confident doing it because at the beginning I was really embarrassed about doing it and, went, and then I saw some other shows I went I'm doing nothing there this yeah. is just a tiny little bit of <laughs> oh,
0: some of them I'm expecting some people at points to take out a very sharp razor and just indulge in a little bit of left arm self harming just for effect you know Life has
1: hurt me Yeah So this is like Kind of weird Now because Look this is my first Edinburgh doing a solo show But you So But if you're coming here Regularly You might have this Different There's the rest of the year Where you're You're doing clubs I guess And you just It's a different Completely different thing You're doing mm-hmm. To what you do in Edinburgh It's like Because very few people uh, For example there's, I'm sure there's people who Come here ten times And yet they to a club they still have the same 20 minutes <laughs> like, yeah well you know
0: they, yeah you. absolutely I, like I could name so I, I know um, like even like like Phil Nickel comes up every year and does an amazing hour mm. of brand new stuff I go and watch Phil every year but mm. when Phil's doing the circuit I mean it's not he does the same but like he's he's banging out the same routines and I'm like you're such a prolific rider. why do you do that mm. and Phil was like the circuit i gotta earn my living on that and it has to be bulletproof every single time and that's what i'll do because i'm a professional circuit comedian but the Mm -hmm. rest of the year i'll engage in my creative kind of um like last year's phil was doing some really and like i know we're taking the piss out of kind of the relevatory but He was doing some stuff about his brother that was really crazy moving, like this amazing narrative, funny as hell, not sentimental, but yet moving. Mm. And then, you know, you'll see Phil in November in the comedy store and there'll be none of that shit in it. You know what I mean? He'll be sticking to it and and murdering it. But you get that, man, because the circuit over here is brutal. If If you have one bad gig, you're in trouble here. You know, the reports go out. So you can see why guys yeah. get very inhibited that they, they go, I'm doing this, I know this works 100% and I need this booking for next year and I'm not allowing any sort of chink in the armour there. So I can see why they, they mm. do it. And then I can also see why, as a creative person, on a stand, like that gets boring, man. So to come up here and do that month of a new show, a completely different thing, a personal thing, can kind of restore yeah, you for the rest of the year.
1: But is there no other uh, can you not tour it then afterwards? Is there no uh, circuit to tour a one hour show? Or...
0: It's hard man. I mean you, you do find lads start uh, doing small little and, and the great thing about England of Victorians man. There's a great theatre infrastructure here. So you mm-hmm. do you know, you'll pick up small grant funded gigs kind of about the country and what mm-hmm. have you. But it really depends on the act and who's mm. behind them and what else is happening for them. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think it's any guarantee you come up here and have a bang and show that it's necessarily going to tour after it. Yeah, know. yeah, because it's own it's own little world.
1: Yeah, you, you come back from Edinburgh and, and you and everyone else is like what? Who? What festival? Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: <laughs> and, well, I, I, I've even noticed a, a difference now. Guys are. It used to be. When I first got in, people coming up to Edinburgh, it was to progress. It was, I'm going to go up there, and that's going to be where I showcase myself to move up to the next level, whatever that may be. Whereas now, I think a lot of guys are coming up to really kind of just do it for their own sort of creative soul and get another 20-minute routine, or 20-minute club set out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you see, a lot of people now are not really thinking oh this is going to be a mad break I'm just going to go up there, work for a month and at the end of it I'll be real stage fit and I'll have a lot of new material to kind of face forward and I think that's why when fellas don't come up here it's very hard to change your set on the circuit you know Mm -hmm. what I mean because if you come up here and you have that hour of a month to kind of really get your your new stuff down, but you can't risk doing that in the circuit, no. you know? Yeah, it's really worked for me that way, actually, and it's forced me to
1: write new stuff, and yeah. and, and, and some of that I'll be able to use on the circuit, yeah, and it's yeah. brilliant.
0: And and that's so. it, and you're confident in it now, because you've, you've done it every day. Every day. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sometimes to... Full house sometimes to five people. (laughs) So it's really like... But that even,
0: gigging of five people, it's never pleasant. But Mm. I think a lot of the time, it can really sharpen you up. When you gig to tiny audiences and then Mm. hit the circuit, so like next month I'll be doing Brighton Comedia and the Comedy Store and all that, and after having this much stage time and this concentrated period of time, like, I'm looking forward to those gigs because you're just so sharp. Yeah. You know I mean, you're just... And that kind of carries you through then till you start writing your next one. You yeah. know? And I think with the free fringe now, people are willing to come up because they're not going mad into debt. Yeah. You know? Whereas before, the pressure was... Like, if your show didn't do well, you're looking at all that debt. Like, yeah. I remember when I first got over here and I was in that loft bar was the Gilded Balloon And uh It takes about five levels of security to get up there. You know and I'd get out onto the balcony bar and it's all VIP and you go through. And when I get out there there's a security guard on the roof and I was like, What job are you doing out here, man? You've been through five. I said, You're skiving and he said, No, no, I have to stand here and I said, Why? What possible reason could there be views down here? And he said, Well, insurance. And I said, I- insurance and he said yep he said artists see themselves getting a few bad reviews see themselves going into 10 grand of debt and the insurers, the insurers are worried they're going to throw themselves off this roof so i have to stand here till we get this all blocked off <laughs> that's insane wow. yeah that's what it was like that's you'd be looking at like you even mm. talked to some of the lads i mean i don't want to mention but some lads who were with the big companies they're in like fifty grand of debt from coming up here for five years in a row. Yeah. Whereas now with the free fringe, I don't think it's gonna tie in as much to lads getting like mad T V deals or any of that bullshit, which was what this whole thing used to be about. But that kind of world is gone anyway. But now mm. people can come up and do an hour and not face that debt. Even go home with a few Bob.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know it's good. And how many Edinburghs have you done with your own show? Uh,
0: this is my—I think I've only done four with. Right. My own. So we would have come over for about four years in a row. But I was doing compilations—one that you used to do. Actually, we took over the mantle—the young, gifted, and green. Oh right, yeah. The gilded balloon, all that. Did type I do of that? Shit. I
1: did something like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's um, a while ago. Yeah. Yeah, I did that with Colin McDonald and Carol Tobin, and then yeah. over and did another compilation then a couple of solos and yeah. then just last year and this year
1: right yeah yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I find is I think it's like duh, 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 about 17 years ago maybe 18 years ago I came over here with Patrick McDonald. and we did a double a, and we got amazing reviews we were like packing this place out down the Gilded Balloon but when I think about it I'd say that this show was shit really but we <laughs> because we were barely, we were barely scraping together 20 minutes each and then you then you get 20 years of experience and you think you've got now you know what you're doing but yeah. no reviewer wants to come and see you <laughs> you know it's kind of weird that it's because just because you're young and you're new on the scene but mm-hmm. you're the reviews are a bit I thought they were even over the top at the time
0: yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, so, now you have them framed all over the house. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, sure. They really so, knew what they were talking.
1: About. <laughs> uh, it's weird though, but um, but also I've seen the other side. I've done I've done best of Irish, and that's going good for me. And I saw some I can't remember who it was. One of the young girls doing best of Irish now went. The audience she's performed to now—they're uh, all about thirty years old. And, her, and uh, I remember—I remember that feeling. You're talking about shit that they don't understand, and it's no like—but when I go out, they—they they know what I'm talking about, so <laughs> it's fine. But uh, those old
0: dudes are talking about death—they <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> know. They see it in our eyes.
1: Yeah, oh. yeah. but it's yeah. So when did, when you started out, I remember. I remember. Um, seeing you when you started out and you had this amazing routine about your car being robbed, isn't that one of your first routines? Oh yeah, yeah yeah,
0: Yeah. that's God yeah, that was, that was unbelievable I went down to Kevin Street and kind of talked and the cops were just so (laughs) it's like my car's been nicked the boys were just shrugging their shoulders and they went, have you taken a walk and had a look for it outside the flats around Kevin Street and what have you Mm. I was like, no. And they said, go down and have a look. And I thought, these guys, what a bunch of assholes, man. They're just like getting me out the door to stop annoying them. But curiosity, I went down to Kevin Street anyway. And yep, there was my car. Well. <laughs> <I opened> the- <laughs> <laughs> Let's get yeah. in and drove her home. All <laughs> oh, right. Oh well. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty messed up. Like, yeah, you know, the yeah. Joyriders. Yeah. Uh, the uh, gearbox was never the same. But okay. Yeah. But yeah, it got her. that was a long, long. Yeah, time. that was a great routine. The oh. guy gave me a jaffa cake. That was one of the punchlines in it then too. I know. See, we all look back on all these old routines. You ever look back? and no, I, I used to think it was killer, and I look back now. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah,
1: no, there was there was a great bit about. Uh, some of your CDs are robbed. Oh, yeah, 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 God. I can't remember what the bill Oh, basically, like. they 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 left a couple of CDs. Oh, and that the- <laughs>
0: was it, yeah, yeah. They took all the good shit. Yeah. And then left, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so not only that.
1: <laughs> they they, uh, that, they criticized your CD because, collection. Yeah, let
0: me know what they told of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bastards. Uh, <laughs> so, um now, who the was. It, who CDs, was, Jesus, were yeah. really showing our age, aren't they? The young ones would be listening to this. Oh, going, wow, well, aye. CDs. Pfft, Is that like an STI? <laughs> <laughs> Penicillin cured that one, I think. What would CD stand for if it was an
1: STI? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, who was starting out around the same time as you, John? It was a bit...
0: Um Eleanor, Jarlett. Well, I think Jarlett was going a little mm. bit. Column was going a little bit, Colin McDonald. Um, Fred Cook was starting when I was there. I remember really? doing a, a, a new competition, and it was myself, Carol Tobin, Eleanor Tiernan in the final, and then some others who haven't lasted the... ...lasted the... <laughs> the Fallen by, by the wayside, yeah. Um... Mm-hmm know yeah, but there uh, was that was but when I started it was you only had the halfpenny in the international so mm-hmm. and you couldn't get into the international so you do one gig a month or one gig every three months you know it was it was tricky enough so you had to find other gigs like I'd be doing music nights and stuff like that horrible stuff poetry nights trying to get up and tell oh really yeah yeah (laughs) i was doing that but then it's incongruous you know these people are talking about you know all this emotive romantic stuff and then you're up trying to tell a few dick jokes (laughs) it didn't really (laughs) never worked
1: yeah i did uh myself and paul tyler did a poetry night once we we in um New York, we got arts flights to New York to do some gigs and, um, you know, from Culture Ireland. Yeah. um, But we were booked into a a poetry night in Manhattan in the Pyramid Club or something. So the guy on before us, and I don't know if you, like, you you would never saw me and Paul try. we were like ridiculously stupid. We wore wigs and we sang stupid songs, like songs one song was like the mucky mucky mud the mucky mucky mud it was ridiculously silly anyway (laughs) the guy on forest read his own poem about the holocaust and the um, but the compare had had a bright idea of linking the two so he said um, one way to wipe out a nation or a race is to gas them to death another way to wipe out a race is to steal their wheat and leave them with blighted potatoes. And now from Ireland. (laughs) That was our introduction.
0: That is the best introduction ever. Blighted potatoes. (laughs) Even gets a double kick in. He
1: he was so happy with his link, you know, it was.
0: (laughs) And did he accent the potato too? Probably. Blighted potatoes. (laughs) potatoes. I <laughs> love that. The potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, so, I, I
1: remember, uh,
0: like even when I started, man, I, I used to, like a few of my mates used to play rugby, right? Like they were, uh, mm. when I high level of rugby and the boys mm. used to always tell me the stories about the, the generation before them, like Peter Clotosy and Mick Galway and all these fellas. And I used mm. to be like one of them, Listening to the stories about you blokes from stand up before I started. Oh, yeah. Because our generation of lads, fellas that get on or whatever, but there was a bit of bitching, a bit of underhand, like, you know, that bit duplicious sort of, you know, ah, he's not really that great. Are lads that have issues with each other and they'd air them behind each other's backs. And then, likes a PJ. I became very close to be telling me about all you dudes and be going, man, those guys if they had an issue, like just punch each other in the fucking heads, <laughs> and then would be fine the next yeah, really, week. Yeah, yeah. I think did you get a punch in the head at one point, Joe, or did you throw a punch to the head? Um, I
1: got physical with Kevin Gilday one time. <laughs> 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 that was in London. <laughs> Uh, in his flat <laughs> but uh, in his flat <laughs> but uh,
0: Were you crash in there yeah <laughs> that's the house guest you want <laughs> I ate your fucking porridge <laughs> and now I'm gonna give you a slap <laughs> upside the head it's kind of wrestling
1: I think more it was a
0: bit like you like...
1: <laughs> but the weird thing I, mean, I was wearing it, it's kind of like a jacket like a sports jacket type jacket and um, when I was fighting him, and um, but uh, the next day I put it on, and I got my flight home. I got went through the the sub the subway the tube the underground and the uh, flight home and everything. I was so hungover, and I got home, and my jacket had been ripped all the way up to the collar. The only thing uh, it was just two separate jackets <laughs> attached at the collar all the way home. On the flight and everything, because <laughs> a bear. He's a bear.
0: <laughs> like I'd rather that if if you're upset with someone, just have have the bar have the Barney, get it out, mm. and then you can all just put it to bed. You know that mm. the bitching was very unhealthy. I thought you know, and I think our lads thought that we were more civilized, but it actually was fucking sicker. You know, because you guys were all still tired and very tired yeah. at that time and i think at my generation, like that the, the other lads kind of came back to that a bit more but there was there was a lot of that when it all guys started taking off and you know he doesn't deserve that and he there was all this shit and it's so unhealthy man jesus mm. and i think there was so few spots for our generation to like you know, like, uh, guys had... Like, it was hard to break in at that level. So, to get in there, there was a real bottleneck and guys were scrabbling mm. away. I think it really helped when guys just left Ireland. I think all my generation Took of lads the- all started getting on a lot better then, you know? Took away the tension. Took away the tension, I think yeah. that dissipates after
1: after a certain amount. But I can understand it. I can understand it when you're starting out. Cause yeah. you're desperate
0: to get a foothold. Yeah. And it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal, like... Yeah, just to get seen and yeah, yeah. Oh, I get it, man, but like, mm. there's a lot to be said for just, you know, a blazing argument and then coffee the next day and go, well, that was a little bit crazy and you owe me a jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I
1: ever told Kevin that but, uh, about the jacket, but uh, it was nothing to do with comedy, that argument, it was something else I'm going to go
0: into, but anyway, Uh glory days, huh? The kids wouldn't know what we're talking about now, Joe. Uh, Physical fights. (laughs) Boys just go online and say heinous shit about each other's mothers. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it wasn't uh,
1: social media, so that made it easier to... You'd have to fax insults to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Would you go down and collect your your insult from the (laughs) printing shop? (laughs) But, um, yeah... And so you left. La- when did you leave then for London yourself? Oh, I left like seven years ago.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm over there now, long time. Yeah, and- that was even. It was funny doing that again because you're starting again. Yeah, the uh, like yeah when um, when I got to like back doing open spots and all that stuff, you know, it was. Um, mm. But it was liberating or something when I first moved over because. Um, You know, you kind of felt you had experience to start again. You know, when you first started, you had so unsure about everything—the gigs. Mm -hmm. How you get more gigs? You know, some guys have been rude to bookers, like you know that aggressive "book me" or "I fucking want." They're getting gigs. You think should I be more like that or should I be polite? You know, you're you're so confused about how to present yourself in every way. Going to England was kind of was doing open spots with but with all the experience of doing them at home, mm, you know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah. like, you know, I I, I I knew just how to go on, do well, be humble, but pushy enough to make sure you got another one, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, it was great, man. It was a real recalibration doing that at the, the the top, you know? And it was, I think a lot of guys were chipping away at, england for years you know like doing a few open spots here a couple of gigs there i did none of that shit i always thought if you're going over you don't want them to know who you are like you just want to like we know how this game works it's always the emperor's new clothes people lose their shit over so i was like i'll just do another edinburgh show I'll have plenty of plenty material and then just arrive doing open spots but calm as you like and i did get attention man you know what i mean mm. like i remember doing the comedy store open spot but you know i've been doing it so long i knew like i'd a bang in 10 minutes and if i edited that like i knew once i didn't lose my nerve to 10 it'd probably go fine you know what I mean and I I strolled in there with like a (laughs) six-pack for the dressing room and Mike Gunn was looking at me because you know usually people would be mad nervous about that and he was like this is your open spot buddy I was like yeah he says you you've been doing this for a good few years beforehand haven't you I was yep And I just went out and whatever the gig went well and you know you're not been a dick and the gig goes well they've never seen you before they bring you in for your 20 you kind of nail that there's the element of wow where'd this guy come from now you lose that quick as hell like you give it a cup like the lustre is well and truly gone now the chewing gum has lost its taste <laughs> but like yeah like that was that was a, a great time really yeah getting in on that and getting on to the glees and the the clubs in england and i think uh, i i wanted to come over just to become a better comedian man i find everything else about the whole game so confusing how do you market yourself who do you get on with like you some of these guys should i like some lads are trying to befriend producers all the time they're going is this do i want to hang out with this fucking guy or am i doing this because i think you give me a shit like it's all this shit and I just thought, if I get to England and just do gigs, mm. I'll just get better and better and more comfortable of more stuff. And, you know, everything will take care of itself. Mm. But that's a kind of really stupid way to yeah it too. Because, like, you see guys who really don't concentrate much on, I'm not knocking, whatever, man, but they like, they're not concentrating on their routines. They're concentrating on their Instagram. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? But they're doing well. Like they're, like I know some lads, they spend the majority of their time on online media. Yeah. And the gigs are just kind of something you got to do to have something to <laughs> post about. You know what I mean? I got to rattle this off so I can put up a funny tweet about, you know, the guy wearing a scarf and the third, you know, all this bullshit. Yeah. But it's, it's a funny thing though too i always thought if i come to england and you know rise up the ranks and show i can do the comedy store and the glee and all this shit like that i always thought in ireland it would give me kudos to get the more glamorous stuff in ireland all the the festivals and all that and uh <laughs> it's hilarious because i thought I'll go and do that I I'll get I'll, I'll, I'll be a shoo-in, you know I'll show them i can, I can mix it up with guys in international stage No, they just go ah oh, that fucker's left he's gone yeah <laughs> yeah I haven't done any of those in years have you not no no
1: that's I, outrageous actually i did i never i just presumed you were
0: doing them no I, I don't I don't get I did one I did one actually two years ago and how I got it was I was over because I was trying to do more stuff in L.A. I spent time in L.A., and this guy, there was a chicken ad going, horrendous stuff, but it was for a one-day big pay packet, and they rang me, and they said, look, do you want to go up for it? It's kind of, and I said, oh, fuck it, well, I may as well. Like, it'll get me back to L.A., and I was pretty pissed off. I kept the weekend free, thinking I'll do the Ivy Gardens, and all that didn't get it, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, having one of those moments, went into mm-hmm. do the chicken ad, and the dude is there, the director guy, thinking he's, like, Oh, my God, thinking he's like the Palma or something, you know what I mean? He's like, so what I want here is I want you to come in. The pressures of the world are on you. But then you think, oh, chicken. Oh, God, I'd love some chicken. That'll make me feel good. And I'm coming in, and I'm giving it socks for because I'm thinking, I could do a 10 grand. This is it really sort out a lot of things. I go back to L.A., sit on the beach, perfect. So I'm really trying, but this dude is like – taking big pauses like pinching his forehead as if he's really deep and thought about the magnificence of this chicken ad he's about to like crank off and i hit a point like he says to me i want you to come back in and do the same but but give me more feeling of joy and then i'd like a chris O'Dowd twinkle in the eye oh. and man i don't know why it tripped me off i think because like we like three weeks before that, I was having a beer with Chris in West Hollywood, thinking I really don't want to go home, <laughs> mm. but wasn't, I wasn't. I had to for whatever. Next time, I find myself doing this fucking chicken ad where I'm killing myself to get in the chicken ad, and I just lost it with the guy. I said, "What do you do? What what the fuck do you mean a uh, uh, twinkle in the eyes? A Chris O'Dowd? How the fuck am I supposed to? What I can just make my eyes flash a Chris O'Dowd twinkle for you, pal? You know." Mm. Mm. And anyway, we didn't get on. To I, I lost Mm. it, man. I just listen. I can't do this shit. This is ridiculous. I can't do this shit. And the guy was like, "Calm down." I said, "No, I'm out of here." And I walked out the door go down Bagot Street and who do I bump into only Bren Berry who runs oh, yeah. the oh, really? yeah. and I told him the story and Brent says Jesus man what are you going in for a chicken ad for you're above a chicken ad why would you even go in for a chicken ad and I was because you haven't booked me for your fucking festival friend that's why I'm in for a chicken ad because a bookers like you aren't booking me man Give me a bloody gig, and he did. Uh, that's class. <laughs> he stuck me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was having my yeah, yeah. latte, going, "Okay, it wasn't a completely wasted <laughs> day. Perfect."
1: <laughs> Shell
0: shocked, meeting a desperate man who's been can't even land a chicken at <laughs> on Bagot <By Good> Street. <laughs>
1: It's funny you should say it because I've done the auditions for ads where back in the day they'd go, "We're looking for someone a bit like Sean Hughes, a bit of Sean Hughes kind of," and then it'd be, "Could, could you do a bit of kind of a Dylan Moran type of thing?" And it's like whoever the fucking oh. Irish bloke who's popular at the moment, they want you to pretend to be him.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like, Fuck off. Oh man, I, uh, I, mm. it drove me, man. That knocked me for a bit. I was like, Jesus Christ, is this the future? Mm. Chicken ads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm amazed that
1: you. I thought you were doing the festivals. That's unbelievable. I so, don't, because, don't get them. I'm mm. whatever.
0: I'm not like... But no. I just mean in turn Like, it's just a puzzling industry, man. You know? Mm. Like, in terms of... You, you even think, if I do this and move... Well, what is it, even move up the ladder? Well, I don't even know what that means. But you think mm. there's kind of more opportunities, but... You no know, sometimes doing well at something
1: can yeah there is a certain thing about what do you concentrate just on what you're doing on your craft or whatever or do you have to do all the networking i mean you you would always, you'd know the people who network and you're talking to them and they're looking over your shoulder at whoever yeah. more important someone more important has entered the room and they're gone if you're not that type of person, you, it's, you can't be that person. No,
0: it's, it's hard. It's, but I, I've mm. tried. Like, I'll be honest, right? i mm. you know, certain opportunities, you know, I wished I would have had. And I was, like, looking, going, like, no disrespect anyone. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm better than that or any of that bullshit. But going, I think I can do a job there. I'd love that opportunity, but it's not come my way. So I thought, mm. right, okay, I'm going to try and do this shit. And I'd start talking to this producer. guy, going, oh, Frank, how's, how's the kids? Yeah, they're all in school. (laughs) I just (laughs) see myself and go, oh my God, this is shameful, shameful shit here. I don't want to talk to this guy yet. Here I am like smiling my head off trying to, oh, it'd be like, uh, you'd feel like somebody with Alzheimer's talking to you just (laughs) struggling to maintain concentration on them. Yeah. And and I think if, uh, and I, I, my problem with it like like I'm a social I love talking to people but when I'm talking to somebody with a uh, with an objective that oh I want this person to like me so they might give me the gig man then I just become uncomfortable mm. and then I'm not good at talking because I'm so uncomfortable about the weirdness of this situation mm-hmm. that I just come across odd and yeah. further alienate myself because they think that guy's a fucking weirdo man mm. <laughs> yeah 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 if you if yeah if you're
1: not that type of person yeah it's unusual but so i'm gonna you 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 obviously i don't know if you want to talk about but you had a health scare that kind of knocked you back a bit for a while and yep
0: um last year's show (laughs) reviewers you fuckers never came (laughs) (laughs) It was so earnest. People were crying and everything at the end of it. It was beautiful. Yeah. I said how much I love my mother. (laughs) I deserve five stars.
1: Uh, (laughs) No, I only heard about this through uh, listening to um, Charlotte's podcast. Oh, yeah. I had no idea this happened to you. you,
0: Oh, yeah, man. Well, I kept it pretty... um, It was pretty... uh, embarrassed about it because in reality like i was physically okay within about six months you know and uh mm-hmm. it was you know the, the, the illness was one thing but it was um as i spoke about in Jarvis, i think that the depression after it you know and uh it was more at that time Things were going amazingly well for me. Like, I swear to you, it sounds like... Like, if you put it in a movie, man, it would seem, like, over-egged. But genuinely, on the mm-hmm. Thursday night, it was in the Comedy Storm. We'd uh, channel four people and, uh, and all these people were talking about, oh, what vehicle to, Like, gigs were going really well for me. i just finished Stade's tour here. was getting a lot of attention. And they're talking about all this stuff. And then the next day, I had uh, the episode and mm-hmm. ended up... Uh, in ICU, all that stuff, but when I came back, I was so shook, I was bad on stage, you know, I was and I remember people saying, I remember even looking at some of the tapes, which I stupidly deleted out of it, because I felt shame at the time, but if you saw me like I was always a confident sort of performer to then, I was this real kind of terrified lad and yeah, and you can see it I was nervous and real you know, um, and I also realised that I'm not as brilliant a joke writer as I thought because if I don't perform that shit it ain't that funny <laughs> so I was like just that kind of operating on 60%. The gig started going pearly and then what happened was that the people who had been pushing me to do like TV stuff and, and and all that the big break were looking at me going this isn't the guy who we wanted to work with 6 months mm-hmm. ago. And they said that to me so it was like you got to get your game up you got a man just the pressure of it and i'm all saying this stuff to me and then i also because i know health insurance is on the nhs and i'd health insurance for about 10 years and i let it go because i was living in england i thought ah, oh, that's 600 quid a year i don't need to pay you yeah. oh, know i'm fit as a fiddle but, I, but that meant the investigation into the issue with my heart took nine months so during that period where they're going if you don't rip this gig they're they're not going to work with you anymore they feel sorry for you about what happened to you but this is business time moves on you got to go on and you need five rounds of applause and you need this you need that and man i still didn't know whether i had a proper heart like a life threatening heart condition or whatever because they couldn't isolate what had happened to it so All of this in my head, I just went bananas and then started really dying on stage. Like not like I walked off in London with all the the comedy. It wasn't in It was in my friend Dan's club, the backyard in East London. Thank God. So the damage was minimized because he didn't really tell anybody about it. But I I sort of, yeah, six minutes in had a told the audience to go fuck themselves and stroll because I was dying on my ass. I was a basket case, you know? Yeah. So I walked off and, uh, yeah, I just had to stop doing stand-up for about a year. But it shows you how big the scene is, man. Like, and that is, it's funny you say that. You're not the only person. Like, nobody knew. Even when I first started going back doing gigs on the circuit, people had no idea. They'd just say, uh, oh, I haven't gigged with you in a while. Because it's so big, man. Like, sometimes you just don't come across. Yeah. You know, it depends on who you're you're booked with, you know. So you just mightn't see anyone for two years. Yeah. You don't even realize they're gone, you know. But, mm. Uh, mm. yeah, that's what kind of happened, man. But, uh, like, I look back now, you know, I uh, my family, well, my siblings and stuff, you know, really looked after me, man. Like, a lot of good came out of it. Uh, I really realized I, I still wanted to do stand-up because I had to start again, you know. Like, even the comedy store were like, listen, buddy, that was super shit and <laughs> all we can do for you now is just pull all your gigs and protect what reputation you had but they were going you can't in a professional capacity you're just not there anymore whatever's happening yeah mm. you can't gig what what you're doing up there you're just sucking ass and the more you do with that you're not going to come back for it mm. so they were like take a year off and i'm back as i talk, spoke about journalist thing i went back to uh, teaching and I was, I went back to, it was, was working with kids in a in alternate provision in London. So a lot of kids with gang involvement and what have you. So it was a blend of teaching and kind of a lot of social work, man. You're ascertaining all these kids, okay, and just trying to show them a bit of care. But that was an amazing experience that really got, like some of those kids, man, were so funny. I had one kid and uh, he was caught driving a BMW down through Kensington and West London when he's 15 years of age. And the cops pulled him over. And the cops are telling me this, because They all know him. And I love this kid. He was hilarious. And mm. they pulled him over. And he's sitting there in his school uniform at the wheel. And the policeman gets him <laughs> roll down the window. And Adnan turns and says, what appears to be the problem officer? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: like these kids, yeah. work, when they're not afraid of cops, man. How do you maintain discipline? As a yeah, teacher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a madhouse, but uh, doing that, man, just really. And it also got me back into a uh, proper. I don't want to say does it sound like proper life, like an Edinburgh show. Proper, like back into uh, being in a staff room. With people and what people are talking about and worried about and observing and like talking about shit that I would never ever ever watch, like uh, the X Factor mm. and all that sort of shit, you mm. know, realizing it really like tapped me back in to start writing jokes again, you know, and uh, my, most of my. Edinburgh well, in show... the sense
1: that you were hearing stuff or involved in real life that you could you could draw from that
0: mining again yeah the hardest thing to ride is when you're just on the road doing stand-up well what's your material gonna be about Uh,
1: just being in car, airports
0: hotels Hotels. that's all you're doing you know like and i'd find myself start saying that shit you know like uh, oh you know and that like the those things in airports to make people walk quicker through airports yeah people stop on them you know, that was my uh, but, bit, like, driving me, because it sincerely does drive me epileptic. And then I'm going, oh, man, this is shit that you heard 30 years ago when these fucking things weren't even invented. It's the same stuff about, God, it's annoying going through airports. Yeah. So it's like, got to get away from that. and that's why i try and do stuff to
1: that's interesting though because it does the life of a comedian is just takes you out of all that from yeah. your jobs and then the people the things that people can identify with
0: yeah and then what are you left with you're yeah. doing indulgence of uh, stuff you know like i i come up routine about um Like, just the commuter sort of experience in London. Mm. That outside of London doesn't really have any legs. But, man, from... And that's sitting in the staff room. I pretty much just mind that from listening to everyone every morning talking about their travails getting in there that morning. Mm. And that sort of started plugging me back into when I... Because I went back to do, like non-paid nights, that's where I started again, Yeah, and yeah, I went right back to the very bottom, man like, and and wanted to do it that way, because I wanted no pressure I couldn't at that time just cope with pressure, because I was a bit bashed up, you know, whereas You know, you go into an open mic night and back to the start, the way it used to be when I was waiting tables and doing a bit of school teaching and profit shares and shit like that. And I started doing stand-up as a a way to meet funny people, to have a couple of beers with and jump up and have a laugh. You know, I Mm. really didn't think when I started, I mean, I realized pretty quickly in, but when I started, I didn't think you could make your living doing this. I never... That wouldn't have been a consideration, like, you know, until then you saw that people did make a, a living from it. And then you had ambition to do that. But that wasn't uh you didn't start stand up going, Oh, I want this to be my job, you know. It was about a laugh. And man, I met mm-hmm. loads of dudes like even in London, there's loads of people who do that open mic scene who ain't really that bothered about going pro. Like there was one lad he's a like, a junior doctor in town and whatever, you know, giving you a different perspective. And he's like, oh man, I'm just doing this to take a break from listening to all that shit and have a couple of beers in the evening. You yeah. Know? And, and that took me back to giggling about it and loving it and getting goofy about it and just having a laugh. And the other thing was, man, the circuit became home when you when you get to that level of the TV people are in and you have to do this routine and open that and that's got to be a killer. And man, it sucks the joy out of it. Mm. You know, it becomes everything that you were attracted like it like. The thing about real work is the stultifying pressure of it, you know, and that was always the joy and stand up that you were going out you know doing something that really kind of gave you a bit of a bit of a lift um whereas mm-hmm. then when you're going out like like a factory worker, I gotta do exactly this, and it's gotta be the same man. I started not enjoying it and I, and yeah. I think that's what con kind of, it wasn't just getting sick, man, it was. I was just like, oh, this is not fun anymore. No. I'm yeah, that
1: really happens. I'm sure that must happen to everyone. It certainly happened to me. Because you start off really loving it. like, mm-hmm. But then it does become a job. then you start getting corporate gigs. And, you know, there's shit gigs that, that are horrible. So it's very, you have to just work at trying to make it enjoyable. Oh, you have you to have really... To work at it Mm. and
0: i got real serious about that and i i i I still am before i go on Mm. every show now i go this could be your last ever gig you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow or Mm. it's gonna be your last ever time and uh it's my fucking time and i've eaten a lot of shit on the journey to get Mm. here and what's most important now about this hour is me having fun because if i'm not well, nothing else is going to come from that. Do you know what I mean? Unless I'm giggling up there and going, this is a laugh. And I learned that from Stade, man. Tom Stade would always make himself laugh before he'd go on. He'd just yeah. take a few minutes and I'd be saying, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you? And he'd be thinking about like a story from when he was 15, one of his mates pulling some shit on one of the other ones. And he makes himself, he gets himself into that headspace yeah. and he walks on laughing. <laughs> and he's sincerely laughing, man. He's he's bringing himself back to those giggles. Yeah, and yeah. He strolls on there, so he's giggling. And he's convinced, man, when you walk up there and they see you're right on the cusp of having a good time, mm, mm. Well, they're going to have a good time too. And and it is, man, like this. You give an awful lot for this. I'm like, I'm not... Mm. You know, it's a privilege to do something that you earn a living from, that you really enjoy, all that, I'm not moan about it, but if you lose that, if you lose that, this is my time, I'm going to have fun, I'm going to enjoy this, well, it's not worth it. It's just a really shitty job. Mm. it's a low paid <laughs> fucking constant travel mentally torturous job mm. whereas if you enjoy the shit out of it and that's all I decide to do in this festival I, mm. like Live Nation the stand when we're bringing you up I went so I'm going to have a support I'm going to have people doing all my flyers and all that sort of shit all that admin shit so all that's left for me to do is really enjoy that hour even yeah. when it's not going that way well. like and I, and I walked out of it, great numbers the whole run. And the one day, I had really bad numbers on it. A, on, a, on the Sunday of the first weekend, I had a live nation in and then someone from Lisa Richards in Dublin with no one in the, the room, you know? And mm-hmm. that would have, a couple of years, just freaked me out. I would have gone, oh my God, this whole feeling sorry for myself. And I just... Because I've really made the effort to train myself into going, I'm going to join. Fuck whoever's there. I have to just enjoy this. And if there's only six, that's going to make, the scenario is going to make me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got through it with one of my favorite kids. It was literally those two and six other people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: No. Eight. They can sometimes be the best gigs, actually. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. But I think that's just like you. Like I'm real serious about that now. You just gotta like lock it in, you know. And mm. I'm bumping into some lads who are torturing themselves over. Oh, you know. And I used to do it. And they guy that review it in, and I messed up that bit. Now that's gonna come out. And you're, mm. you're mm. like, man, no, no, just
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, Inspiration, and I think you've inspired me now to go and get a job in a warehouse or something, and <laughs> get that material. But
0: man, I'm serious about that though yeah. too. Like, I'm I'm not a like I would definitely go back to do some other stuff, man, because it it started the writing, you know. And I'm even looking at maybe doing a ridiculous thing abroad, like a bit of volunteering yeah. abroad to. Um, to teach in India, I'm talking to this lass over there to because otherwise what the what am I what am I gonna talk about? You know, and I've committed yeah. now to doing Edinburgh again next year. So yeah. I need minutes, man. I need minutes. And getting into something like that gives you those. Like, remember Desi with the work experience Des Bishop. and all that shit. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? that's was his whole material for years because he, he did it, you know. He, yeah. Yeah, I remember Delamere used to do that too. We'd be on tour and he'd pull over to some fucking weird museum in the middle of nowhere and he'd go, I might get a few minutes out of this. Oh, really? Check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So whether it's getting a job or just doing something.
1: Right. right.
0: Sitting in a room, it's it's fucking impossible.
1: There's nothing. Looking out the window to inspire me here in this room, apart from you, John. Oh, thanks, John. That's (laughs) the nicest thing you've ever said to me. (laughs)
0: Well, listen, thanks a lot. It's been great chatting to you. It's been amazing, Joel. Thanks a million, buddy. Cheers.
1: John Lenders. I'm going to uh, give you all my gig listings now you can f- you, You're can. probably just not going to listen to this But, you know, if you're interested I'm in the Laughter Lounge on the 20th, 21st and 22nd of September And then the uh, following weekend I'm in the Imperial Hotel in Dundalk on the 28th Tribalgan in County Cork on the 29th and 33 South Main in Nice on the Sunday the 30th of September. That's my gig, lose. You can also find uh, some videos, sketch videos that I've been doing with Patrick McDonnell on uh, Facebook. Joe and Pat is the name of the page. And our recent sketch has been far, by far, our most popular one with 20 two thousand views, which for us you know for some youtuber that's like oh no I got a um, I get a million i don't know why they talk like that but uh, but for us twenty two thousand is quite good uh that's uh, that's all the crack and if you want to contact me um on my website www.joerooneycomedian.com com Facebook is Joe Rooney comedian and uh twitter Joe Rooney one. Uh, I'm going to be doing this uh, weekend The Laughter Lounge with Glenn Wall the, the renowned Canadian comedian so I think I'll get a chat with him however the next podcast I bring out I think yes it will be with Davy Riley when I chatted to in the, uh, in the uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe uh, after his uh, show which I think is running also in the Dublin Fringe Festival called Tim um, fucking having a clue what it's called something to do with a camera uh, f- a found camera or something like that so uh, yeah that's it good luck uh, see you soon bye
0: this has been a production of the headstuff podcast network I'm seeing something, it's smiling at me, but not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile, rated R, only in theaters September 30th.